0: Well, hello, and welcome to Jay Flontz's Ignorance, episode 16, maybe, I think, 15, 16. I'm sitting with David Holly, who has done the podcast before. Welcome back.
1: Well, thank you. <laughs> Glad to be back.
0: Yeah. I, what we were talking about, hopefully the tick, tick, tick of my dog's nails on the floor isn't too loud on the recording. We'll see. Um, my friend Nick on Facebook sent out this video of John Stossel interviewing uh, fast food CEO Andy Puzider. And apparently he's going to lead the Labor Department for the, the Trump, um, President-elect Trump. And um, it's a really good video, and I'll put it at the top of the show notes, and it makes the case for uh, free market capitalism being the way to pull people out of poverty. Yeah, And um, I, I agree with free market capitalism, and it does a lot of good, and over the course of mankind, I think it has done a lot of good. What I worry about is free market capitalism and the future of work dynamic. So um, when I think about the the future of work and i think about the fact that 95 percent of us used to be involved in uh gathering food we were all a hunting gathering society and over hundreds of years now only two percent of us i think are involved in actually producing food at the source and then i think about like the transportation industry and i think okay uh with self-driving cars and the technologies that are are starting to gain traction and, and, and are driving around California by themselves already. And I saw a cool European video, I don't know if you saw this, of a, an entire convoy of semi-trucks driving all the way across Europe, uh, fully autonomous. So they've got helicopters chasing them, video, video doing video of the entire thing. But these, these semi-trucks are crazy because it's like a slow-motion, uh, uh, serpentine... Pattern where they all get out on the road and then they go really tight because they can uh, draft each other for better fuel efficiency. Sure, yeah, and the, but they're on public interstates and public roads and things, uh, making these walls basically of automated uh, <laughs> machinery running down the road. So I, I think like over the 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 course of human history, there were there were large percentages of us. I don't know what the stats are that we're involved in transportation, right? Like the goal is to get thing from A to B and we've got, you know, 4 million, I think it is uh, professional drivers in the, just the United States today. And the most
1: common occupation, right? Driver. Is it? Yeah. yeah. For an American, I believe it's the most common occupation is something with driver, not necessarily a semi truck driver, but driver of some sort.
0: Right. So any driver whose goal is to transport things from point A to point B, um, I think in my lifetime, I'm 41, what am I, I'm old, I think I'm 41 and I think in my lifetime the future of work means that the number of people involved in the transportation industry is going to uh, drop precipitously uh, due to this technology, right, so I think it will take fewer and fewer people to move everything we need to move
1: absolutely, from point A to point B. So it's definitely going to drop, uh, the question is whether or not you can eliminate where the inefficiency is right there's a job there for driver right now and how far do you have to go to eliminate that well the technology is already there i mean we're seeing these videos like the one you mentioned in in europe where a truck driver can be replaced by an automated system and maybe it's not complete yet we still don't know you know truck drivers have many more responsibilities if you're talking about a semi-truck driver than just driving includes caring for the shipment unloading the shipment they do a lot of things besides driving the truck oh yeah Um, And I'd have to get a truck driver on here to talk about that because obviously I don't drive trucks, so I'm not the most educated in that. But the question then becomes, how many regulations affect the truck driver? Because when we're talking about the minimum wage, we're talking about a regulation, something that's not going to change very easily. And we're seeing that, that even just to have a a minor raise, just to raise it something that would go with, say, inflation, uh, it's going to meet a lot of resistance from a lot of people. And it's not going to change usually uh, nationwide. The states have a lot of different minimum wages that are above the federal wage. All these regulations uh, mean that it's, it's more difficult to change and adapt. So if you look at truck drivers, and I'm afraid we'd have to get a truck driver and probably uh, a person that owns a business that employs truck drivers and probably some truck driver customers on to talk about all the different departments they have to deal with, the different regulations they have to meet, uh, which, because those aren't going to go away, you can't start using, in America, automated truck drivers right now. You may be able to use an automated truck driver, but you most certainly will have to have a driver behind that system. And is that a good thing? If I have a uh, technological innovation where I can get rid of that driver and be way more efficient, why uh, why do I have to comply with these regulations that are then terribly inefficient? Uh, what if I can reduce CO2 through these innovations, but I no longer can do so with the because of the regulation the way it is? Uh, is it better to approach this from a non-government means? Start my own innovative company uh, that pays more than the minimum wage. If I want to raise the minimum wage, that's the question that I'd ask. You, do, you can look at the minimum wage, and I can't disagree that minor increases in the minimum wage are economically beneficial on a whole. But what we do when we make that minor increase in a minimum wage? is that there's a certain level of job, which is that that falls right between the minimum wage where it is now and the minimum wage where we're raising it, that is now priced out. And we're getting rid of those people. So we're going to hurt a very small minority. And a small increase overall will be beneficial. But can the government sit there and make the choice to hurt a minority of people for the overall benefit? And if you're okay with that as, an, as a uh, cost effect, then you can be for it. Uh, morally, I can't really be for it uh, or objectively due to what I believe in, uh, but I can't disagree that economically it's more effectual to have a minimum wage increase.
0: Yeah, like, like I think the big picture is, an Andy Poster in this video makes the argument that, look, it, it takes me longer to open a, a Hardy's restaurant in California than it takes me to open it in Siberia and that's insane and you're strangling the business community and you're stopping people from creating jobs and you're stopping economics from working to bring people out of poverty right and i I agree with that broadly speaking the the concern that I have is if we look you know at the long term picture and we look at how more and more jobs are being eliminated over time, right? Like fewer and fewer people with tech plus technology can do the work that we all value as a society. Then it leaves more and more people doing these things that, uh, that, that can't, be, can't be automated. Like what I'm wondering, uh, it, transportation might be the, the forefront of this now, right? But uh, you and I both work in technology and as artificial intelligence becomes stronger over time, it's possible that my job could
1: be eliminated eventually, right? Well, and, your job, hmm? your job's been eliminated several times, but you innovate, you advance, and you evolve, and you find. I've been doing Pearl different for for
0: years. Do. I've been doing Perl five <laughs> for twenty years. I would don't, would I don't you don't compare nothing, when, nothing, when you
1: <laughs> when you started and the applications that you were building? Yeah. How do those compare to what you do now? Oh yeah, it's very different. Yeah, it's very I different. I was joking right. <laughs> mostly,
0: but yeah. Um, what I'm what I'm worried about is, okay, so let's just let the reins completely off and let's just say, okay, hey, free market capitalism, everything no no social safety net, no nothing right, right. and i I do agree with the what I think is being presented if I'm misunderstanding the the video and the argument, you know, love me know but i I do agree that, hey, how do you fix communist China? Communist China there's so there's millions of people that are in abject poverty. And then you open up the system so to allow uh, capitalist influence to occur, and there's mass migration. The largest migration in human history is from rural, agricultural, uh, subsistence level farming in China to these cities. Right? Huge cities. Amazing documentaries, and that like, I should also link to. Um, I, I totally agree with all that. I, I think that after that huge burst, which I'm not discounting at all, I'm concerned for. The the in the the as the future of work is that highly skilled people like like you and I, but eventually you and I will not be considered highly skilled people. Maybe you know, maybe <laughs> I don't maybe, know that I am now. I mean, maybe you're going to innovate your way, you know, and stay on top. I don't know, but but I think there's millions of people that are getting left uh, and without some sort of living wage system that the government has to enforce. I don't know how else it's going to exist. I don't see how. Um, the the people who are controlling the corporations aren't pushing the people at the very bottom aren't getting squeezed to death like they're getting so, blood squeezed out of them they can't afford healthcare they can't afford like a so right. it seems to me like there needs to be a bottom stop if we're going to run our society in this in the free market capitalism way great okay that's going to work for lots of us but it's not going to work for all of us and the people that it doesn't work for that's the part that I worry about
1: okay uh, and you're absolutely right uh, what what you're talking about when you talk about corporations holding people down is you're talking about Anarchism, not capitalism. In capitalism, you don't want no regulation. You want the right regulation, and the right regulation is regulation that protects someone from the initiation of force by somebody else.
0: Isn't that what the minimum wage is doing? Isn't the minimum wage saying, "Look, you can't afford to live in, in this country on two dollars an hour, so we're going to increase it to three dollars an hour. You can't afford to live so, in this city for four dollars an hour, so we're going to increase it to four fifty an hour." Right. And isn't the point? That what the point? Isn't that what that is? And if you if you've got a guy who says the minimum wage doesn't work, get rid of it. Isn't that bad for those people? Like, you, if you're just squeezing people as hard as you possibly can, including importing the cheapest possible foreign labor into doing the jobs, and I, I'm, I'm asking, I'm not, I'm not preaching. I'm, I'm, I'm literally asking. I'm trying to understand as the curve of the future of work continues. Don't we need, uh, you know, democratic socialism or something at the bottom as a mainstay? Now, I'm not saying that need That's the center point of. The government like I'm, I'm thinking that we need some kind of fusion between free market capitalism and social safety net which so th-
1: what do we do with the person that's not producing enough to equate to a living wage what do we do with the 12 to 16 year old for instance as brought up in the video so why I choose that example of somebody who's going to learn a job by delivering newspaper which again is going downhill due to innovation uh, or doing something like the example in the job of scooping ice cream right that job can't exist had a living wage because somebody scooping ice cream is not producing a service or product that equates to what they will consume in any sort of living wage, no matter what that living wage is now or in the future when it's going to be more expensive.
0: So shouldn't that job not exist?
1: Well, you're forcing it to not exist if you're paying everyone a minimum wage, but this person that where this is their only option has no option to produce any product currently that equates to a minimum wage. And what that means is they won't be able to find a job at all because right. nobody's going to pay them to produce less. I'm not going to give you money to give me less money in return. That would be a silly decision. So if we do have the minimum wage, at 12 I can't get a job. At 16 I can't just get a job. And if I haven't got a job, maybe I've learned in other ways. But if I've learned in other ways, I'm innovative enough that I wouldn't have needed a minimum wage in the first place. We're talking about somebody that does, right? Somebody that would be forced out by the system were it not for the minimum wage. And when I get to 18, I will have never had a job before. So I still won't have any skills that will allow me to produce a service or product that's worth a minimum wage. So 22, same thing. 26, same thing. 30, 40. I'm at retirement age, and I still can't produce that job. I still can't have a job throughout my life because I've priced out, because I took a look at somebody that was trying to support a family or support themselves in the working force that couldn't do it. And I said, they need to be able to earn this much money. So everybody should get this much money. But regulation being inflexible, that because that applies to everyone, I now have to look at my entry-level workers and say, they can't produce anything worth that, so they'll never be hired. And if they're never hired and never learned the job market through that means, that's really uh, a negative effect. Uh,
0: so, so the concept, like here we are, we're running a society, we're making the rules. The, the concept of universal basic income says, right, that... Hey, you're a human being. You deserve shelter. From who? So you don't starve.
1: Somebody has to build that shelter. You don't deserve shelter unless you build it. And I'm not arguing that every man's an island. No, and I'm not arguing that... Okay, I'll let you. Sorry, I never... (laughs)
0: I'm not arguing that that somebody's not paying for it. But but the, the argument of universal basic income goes, I think, that, hey, we live in a society, and everyone deserves to not starve to death. Everyone deserves basic housing right and and uh basic clothing right so we're going to set a baseline in our society the, the concept of universal i'm not making that well i'm i think i am arguing for universal basic income but not yet i haven't started arguing yet i'm just trying to i i <laughs> the, the the concept is hey everyone deserves these minimal things just to have basic human um uh What's the word I'm looking for? Basic human decency. If if we're going to have a society where people can worth be worth billions of dollars, great, good for them. They did amazing things that all of us, you know, bought. You know, we love this thing that, and we buy the hell out of it, and they make billions of dollars. Okay, great. Be a billionaire. That's great. At the same time, conserving a, a safety net of universal basic income at the bottom, so that everyone has housing and clothing and you know basic stuff. Now, if you want an Apple Watch. Go out there, find a job, get a, get a, whatever job you can get that pays you enough so that you can have an Apple watch in your life. Great. That's, we want to encourage people not to live on universal basic income. We want to encourage people to get the hell out there and in under free market capitalism, work their asses off and become millionaires, become billionaires. That's great because that, you know, they hire people and those people hire people. And, you know, it, hopefully it pulls a bunch of people up out of universal basic income. But... Uh, so so, I think that 's what universal basic income says, and a hundred years from now, when we 've eliminated all the truck drivers and we 've eliminated all the com- eliminated all the computer programmers and eliminated all the network engineers, well, you know what, what you do I think <laughs> um, don't we want this this safety net system where some people are billionaires, okay, good for them. Some of us manage to to crawl out of universal basic income and are making middle middle wage, whatever that is, middle class you know lifestyles. Um, but the people at the bottom aren't living on the streets unless they choose to live on the streets.
1: So, uh, it depends on whether or not we can make those decisions for them and whether or not we want freedom. Uh, because what you do has an effect. And what I mean by that is if I go out and you were, we were talking about food production, how almost nobody does it anymore. If I wasn't trading with anyone, if I went out and I produced my daily intake of food, I would have a day's worth of food to eat. And if I didn't go out and produce my day's worth of food, do I go out to the person that produced two days' worth of food and take that from him and say, well, I don't have my day's worth of food uh, due to my decision not to produce it. Do I get to go take that from him and eat it? Because I need it. Because it's human decency. Because I'm hungry. And if your answer is yes, you can go out and take that from the person that produced two days' worth of food that day and eat it, then what you're saying is absolutely correct. But if you don't believe that that's a good idea, then what you're saying is not correct. We live today in a society, like you said, where we only have a small percentage of people producing food. I don't know what that is. Because we've innovated to such a level, we've automated to such a level, we have massive, beautiful things like combines and distribution systems. Uh, we have some horrible things that have come out of that as well. Uh, we can talk about you know all the evil of Monsanto and that sort of thing. But we don't really have a need to go out and produce food anymore because whatever we do for a service, we have innovated to such a level on food that whatever we do for a service or product, we can easily trade for what we need for the day's worth of food. So that's that's a decision that's out there.
0: Well I think the argument you started with is hey, it's it's a matter of freedom. Should should by under force of or under threat of violence, which is what how the government does everything, right? Right. Under threat of violence, they have the guns, they have the jails, they'll put you in the jails, they'll you know, whatever. Under the, the fiat governmental system, this is the, I think anarcho argument, uh, that hey, government is forcing people to do things. You shouldn't force people to do things. You should let people live in freedom and do what they want to do and have the free exchange of, um, of voluntary or, uh, organization, voluntary association, voluntary, everything is, I'm deciding to do this because it's mutually beneficial or this one's beneficial only to me, but you go along with it for whatever reason. You have freedom of movement. You can move somewhere else if you don't like it. You can you know interact with someone else, and this all you know works right. out. Right?
1: And the the important key here is that this does not eliminate poverty. It is the best reduction for poverty we have, and the reason it doesn't eliminate poverty is, of course, everything that we know of. Somebody might decide not to go out and work, uh, or they may not have the skills to, and might not know how to learn to. Uh, and these these people, people will need help.
0: Right. right? Some people choose not to work. Some Other people, choose. people can't work. Other
1: people can't work. Yeah. And you might believe that uh, these people need help and should receive help. And I would agree with you. And then the question becomes, is the government the right source for that? And so we look at what happens when the government helps someone, and it's through laws or regulation. And one of the largest setbacks these laws or regulation have is that they are inflexible. So if we want to replace a driver, we can't replace a driver. If we raise the minimum wage, we then have to go out and set exceptions for all the jobs that need exceptions. All of your entry-level jobs, what about the person that's just trying to enter the workforce, and they're living at home. They don't need the same amount of money as somebody with kids uh, who have, who's out on their own, who has to produce for themselves and other people. Uh, they don't need the same minimum wage. Well, if we have the government doing it, there's no easy way to go out and separate these two. And we end up with the same effect. We end up with a, uh, an amount of people, and I would believe it's greater than letting capitalism deal with some of these issues. And the issues I don't let capitalism deal with is anything that is coercive, right? I'm, I would not say it's anarchist because I believe there's a right amount of regulation, and those regulations are the regulations that stop people from uh, pushing their will on others uh, non-consensually. If you agree to be ripped off, there's nothing I can do. There's no amount of regulations I can create to stop you from being ripped off. I cannot eliminate poverty uh, aside from making everyone poor. Because if everyone's poor, then there's no different level of poverty, right? Yeah. If my poverty is explained as the lowest 33% of society or whatever I might explain it as, um, if I make everybody the same level, then it doesn't matter. But that level is going to have to be zero. Because yeah. somebody will find a way to get rid of what they have and be in poverty.
0: So, and I, and I think neither one of us likes communism or socialism writ large, right? Like when you have central planning, planning absolutely everything... I think those societies suffer, and the people in those societies suffer because top-down planning, broadly speaking, for you know decisions that can be handled with a capitalist system th- doesn't work. It doesn't work. It just fails, and that's. And I think China proved it. Again, you know,
1: China—it works great for the people making the decisions. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. Till yeah. they're hung. I mean, you know, but right,
0: yeah. The Communist Party leaders are doing fine, right. right? And the the bribes that my buddy in China has to pay to multiple levels of the government—you know—that works fine for those guys that are getting the bribes, right? Okay, communism
1: work fine if I was in charge of it for me, right?
0: Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so neither one of us likes this top-down central planning kind of thing. But what if there was a universal basic income? And I haven't done my research on UBI, so I'm probably talking. Either stuff that's well-established or I have no idea what I'm talking about. But what if the system was something like this and my ignorance is total? That's the name of the podcast, Jay Flonson's Ignorance. My universal basic income, what if it worked like this? What if we had a free market capitalism where the government regulation was as minimal as it possibly can be, the government is as small as it can be, but we had a safety net which said, look... As a society, we have to collect taxes somehow, right? It has to be income tax or property sure. tax or something. Somebody has to collect taxes because we, we we do want roads. We do want whatever. So if you're going to... And the, the anarcho answer is no. There is no single central total authority, right? That's the anarcho-capitalist stand. But let, let's just pretend. So in our society right now, we figure out, okay, well, however we're going to collect taxes, we collect taxes. And then there's a universal basic income. And what that means is everybody gets... Uh, twenty thousand dollars a year if you 're not working right, and we just give that to them in cash period, and they can spend that cash however they choose to to do it, so they 're spending that cash in a free market way right because everybody who's trying to sell them stuff everybody is competing to sell them the stuff that they want to buy right so the, the capitalist engine is still the receiver of that twenty thousand dollars a year for whatever, but you know. If I'm if I'm brain damaged and I can't program computers anymore and I haven't figured out another way to make income and then the society as a whole is gonna give me twenty grand a year cash that I can spend however I, I choose to spend or however my caretakers choose to spend it. Is is that insane? I assume this stuff has been debated well, for hundred years. And so, I just don't I haven't done the research.
1: <laughs> so the nice part is I think we have to look at where it does happen. Right, you have to get as close as you can and take a look at that. Unfortunately, we don't live in a vacuum, so that's not going to be the only variable between uh differences in that we study right We can't go take a look at uh, a more socialist basic necessities or given area where there aren't giant differences, which is a problem uh russia china um that sort of system has many other variables, which unfortunately... Well, these are dangerous.
0: central planning systems. These are top-down. Everything is centrally planned. You have to get a permit to do anything, I and, think. And
1: eventually the right? control is going to have to seep into that because um, what you have today is you have the most resources that we've ever had before as far as learning and innovation goes, which has always been uh, the challenge in becoming successful. Never a specific product. We talk about you know what are the problems with... Uh, low reserves on oil and that thing. Well, it doesn't matter. We've always been fueled by innovation and we'll find something to replace that. Um, Today, if I'm entering the job market, I have the internet and I have the Khan Academy and I have access to all sorts of news and communication and things that I've never had before. Uh, If I can't be successful in that, uh, I will never be successful. It is far easier than it ever has been prior to this to be successful as far as uh, the only the only thing that gets in my way more than has ever had been before is regulation.
0: Yeah. And, and, and we're talking about like you and I work in the tech sector. So, you know, we're very, you know, curious, uh, problem solving kind of let's dig in and figure out this technology stuff, self-learning kind of people, right? Like we are right. we're like, Oh, Hey, let's dive. In. Hey, it's a toy. Let's figure out how the toy works and let's disassemble the toy. And then let's, so, you know, find someone who wants to pay us money to play with this thing. <laughs>
1: But even if you're not technologically savvy, even if you want to do something in, say, growing food, mm. you have more resources now than you've ever had before. The unfortunate thing is um, if you can't be successful with the resources that you have today, you won't be successful with $20,000 a year.
0: Oh, yeah. And I don't think anyone is saying that universal basic income is success. What what I think, I think the argument that I'm making, and I'm... Uh, The argument that I'm making is I think society long term, as we have more and more uh, jobs eliminated through technology, which I think is great. I mean, I'm a technologist. I love fancier technology, whatever. But as we leave, uh, as we keep eliminating jobs, it's true. These people should get educated and retool their skills and all that. That is true. But not everybody's going to make that jump. Right and general generationally, not everyone's going to make that jump. So, um,
1: no, but you can't make everybody make that jump. Even giving them twenty thousand dollars a year will not make them make that jump.
0: I'm not I'm not saying the twenty grand is to make them make that jump. I'm saying that's so they're not starving and homeless in the street.
1: Twenty thousand dollars a year won't stop that either. Well, whatever the number
0: is, whatever the number of taxation, like we're, we're gonna no number taxes. will stop it.
1: The higher the number goes, the less effective the number is, and the lower the number goes, the sooner we reach the area in which it's not stopping it.
0: So what you're saying is as soon as I try to give everybody $20,000 a year, the prices of everything is going to go up because everybody knows that everybody has $20,000 a year. Is that what you're saying?
1: For one, yeah. If you're giving everybody $20,000 a year, $10,000 a year probably becomes the minimum housing. Minimum. Now, if I've spent $11,000 on something other than housing, I'm still homeless.
0: Right, and you can choose to be homeless. Like There there are studies in... So what
1: I've done by giving everybody $20,000 a year Mm -hmm. is I've created a system that has to go out and take the $20,000 per person from the entire population. I've created a support system that I now have to have to then take that $20,000 and deliver it to everyone Mm -hmm. and whatever organizations might be needed to regulate those two organizations and to enforce that. Yep to do not the intent that i set out to do which is eliminate homelessness
0: no that's not no, no the the intent is not to eliminate homelessness if you if you have enough money to not be homeless right and you choose to be homeless that's fine be be homeless right you're choosing to do that i mean the the if you're mentally ill maybe not so much. But right. generally speaking, people right. who you know can make decisions for that. Everyone's an adult. I mean, if I want to jump in a trailer and f- drive down to Florida, I should be able to do that. <laughs> but the, the, And the, I envy the, your ability to do that. <laughs> the, um, the, the point I was going to make earlier was that um, there's these studies in Africa where they were looking at... Um, uh, shoot, what's the term for that? The, the extreme poverty, um, desperate... Uh, shoot, I forget my terminology. But anyway... Uh, they they had X number of people that were in abject poverty, and they started experimenting with, okay, well, what happens if we just give them $20 US equivalent in their local currency, right? You would think that based on their calorie intake and their amount of protein intake, they would spend that on food because these people are starving by our definitions. And instead, many of them choose to buy cell phones, right? They get these cheap burner flip phoney kind of things because it's more important to them to have communication with their friends and family than it is to have, uh, to have extra thousand dollars, extra thousand calories, you know, those weeks. And I don't, I don't know what to make of that. Is it, but, but these, these studies are fascinating. These studies of, Hey, what happens when you just give people cash and let them make their own choices? And and they don't come up to a calorie equivalent that, you know, the, the, the United Nations thinks is subsistence level nutrition, Right, They choose not to buy food. They choose to buy other things. That's fascinating to me.
1: And it is fascinating. And I think what else will be fascinating, and one thing that you said uh, is going to prove true, and, and I think we'll see why it proves true, uh, is that you don't have a limited system of government where let's give everybody this safety net, and other than that, let's have a very small, unintrusive government. And here's why. If we don't have it today,
0: you're saying, or it can't be
1: done? It, it has never been done, and I'll tell you why it's never been done, in my theory. Uh, first, got to take one step uh, back, which is look at uh, let's look at where the minimum wage is about to go up. And let's go ahead and let them raise the minimum wage, specifically at a state level, and see what happens. We'll be able to measure the effects if uh, a lot of the uh, requests go through, uh, like in California, to raise the minimum wage to $15. And if we don't do it federally, if we let it happen at a state level, we can take a step back and we can measure the impact of that. Oh, yeah. We can see exactly what happens, and that's a great thing, not a bad thing.
0: Oh yeah, our laboratory of democracy. If we would let states make lots of decisions, and they were making lots of decisions, wouldn't it be great if we could see whether or not stuff worked in this state? Because then Absolutely. other states could look at that state and go, "Oh, hey, that worked for them. Let's do it." And the the less federal overarching stuff there is, the more that can happen. Right. The counter argument being, hey, we want slaves in Alabama, right?
1: Right. So don't don't (laughs) live in Alabama. And I understand that's more difficult for somebody, especially if they're a slave, to get out. Uh, But that that becomes the answer. And but we can see the effect as a rest of a nation and go, that's not the way we should be doing things. Uh, Unfortunately, that does require mistakes. Right,
0: I'm making both arguments. I'm arguing that, hey, feds, stay the hell out of it. And I'm also arguing that, hey, feds, slavery is awful. Get the hell involved and pass things across the entire nation. You know what I mean? Right. Once 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 if we've I,
1: measured it, that might be an argument you can make. If
0: I like the effect, I want a strong federal government. When I don't like right. the effect, I want a weak federal government.
1: <laughs> exactly. If you were the one making all the rules, a yeah. strong federal government would be excellent.
0: Hell yeah. I don't know why no one we, votes for me for president.
1: We won't see, unfortunately, uh, the other side of it. We, so we will see what happens when the minimum wage is raised uh, quite uh, an absurdly high amount at one time. Right. We won't see when it... And some of the state's plans are to jump the minimum wage uh, over years, which I would, as from an economic effect, I would agree with much more than a single uh, jump. However, we're going to be able to see the effects and we're going to be able to measure them and take a look at them. And we're going to see also at the same time uh, the negative of the regulation with that it's inflexible. What we won't see, unfortunately, is any other state trying a taxation method that's different than what we do now, which is the coercive taxation. And I'm not saying that a voluntary tax is necessarily the way to go, but we'll never be able to test it. And even if we could test it at a state, we have so many coercive taxes from the federal government, we'll never know what the effect would have been of the government offering services. And if you want to pay into those services, you pay into those services. Um, We have only one option that we can measure, and that's coercive taxation. So from a realist standpoint, whether or not I agree with it, we have to treat every change in the system as though it's going to continue with a coercive taxation.
0: So, so I know nothing about minimum wage increase things that are in progress. I, I don't have any idea if there's a national effort or state efforts or whatever. I don't know any sure. of that. The, the, the universal... So I think on UBI, we can go into um, minimum wage stuff if you want to inform me on what the debate is and then we can talk about that. But on the, the previous version of this, a universal basic income argument... I think what you're saying is that that can't work. You're, you're, no, so, what you're saying is that I'm not going to get the result I want. The result I want is people can have food and I don't know if it's 20000 or whatever. Right, it is, right. But whatever Some the number. number is, there's a number. Right. You can have food. You can have shelter. You can have basic clothing. Um, that's universal basic income. And if I decide to quit my job tomorrow, I can go on UBI tomorrow and right. make way less money than I'm making now, but I don't have to work
1: kind of thing. Right. So welfare and food stamps and, and UBI aside, because that would be very theoretical, right? Because we don't have anything close to that in our oh, system yeah, no, that we can I'm, measure. I'm proposing that, hey, so shouldn't society minimum wage, work this way? wage, fairly close to that as a thing that we can discuss. So minimum wage, I, I said I was going to get to why the systems that enact these things have to be all controlling. So I raised the minimum wage to $15.
0: Nationwide, are we talking? What are we no, doing?
1: in a state, in a in California. some area, okay, so whatever California, it might be, California. Bucks. raises the minimum wage to fifteen dollars. Gotcha. Suddenly, all of my, we'll just use the the arguments that are, uh, that are out there. They might be cliche, but suddenly, my fast food cashier is now more efficient as a machine because if I can pay a tech seventeen dollars to operate three machines doing cashier at mcdonald's yep it's better than hiring three 15 workers exactly did you see the amazon store that's
0: that has no checkout
1: i i saw the video on it i it's interesting not actually open open yet but. right interesting video i would definitely try it yeah i would um, <laughs> so stores will then begin to eliminate cashiers at, the, yeah, at the mcdonald's right
0: the future of of shopping
1: uh and they may do that anyway stores yeah But my intent with this minimum wage law was to make sure that everybody could afford a living wage. And even $15 an hour in some places in California would argue is definitely not a minimum wage or a living wage. But uh, that aside, as the state, if that's my intent, I now take a step back and I look at it and I go, Joe, Bob, and Sue all got fired from their cashier jobs. This is unacceptable. What do I do? I create a law that says you have to have a person there at that cashier. Oh, yeah. We both
0: agree that's awful. Right.
1: And that's awful, but you have to do it if this is your intent and you're going to set out to achieve that intent. Oh, right. Otherwise, so you've done nothing. You've actually taken a step back and hurt the three people that you were trying to help the most. Right? You've hurt them directly and it's with always, your law.
0: Yeah, and it's always going to be a percentage of those things, right? Like Anytime you bump that minimum wage, there's always going to be a certain number of jobs that go away because they, they are automated. right? And you're accelerating the future of work curve that I keep talking about. And then there's the people that their jobs couldn't be eliminated and they were helped, right? They were helped on their level, but now the business is not economically viable and the business shuts down and now it's gone. Or it turns out that you could pay them $15 an hour and the company's still making tons of money. So there's no effect at all, right? And so now those people are way better off because they're making $15 an hour for doing a job that is very profitable overall, right? And the CEO had to take a pay cut of
1: 2% off of his salary. So from a government level... It's coercive, and there, therein right. lies the issue that who gets to decide uh, where that line is? Who gets helped? Who doesn't get helped?
0: Right. Yeah, if you make the anarcho-argument, that, that then the anarcho-argument is there is no such global network of decisions. I mean, that does not happen. No one top-down is deciding anything. That's the anarcho-argument, right?
1: That would be anarchy. I would say that top-down... We, we come together with a group of uh, universally shared values, and that is that initiating force on someone else is wrong yeah, and anarchy. so I would say that's not anarchy because I do believe in a level of regulation I believe those regulations and those laws stop you from initiating force on me so let's let's take the example that we're dealing with uh, earlier, which was automated truck drivers yeah my, what sorry, happens
0: my, my, my very first podcast podcast episode zero is a three hour. Conversation with an anarcho-capitalist.
1: Okay, so
0: I, I'm probably slaughtering all of his concepts. I'm getting them all wrong, but I, I re-listened to it a couple months ago, and I was fascinated again by the conversation. So, sorry, go ahead.
1: No problem. But I, I don't want anarchy, and why I don't want anarchy is let's take that automated driver system. So you were talking about in Europe how I can have trucks drive right in a line, right? Well, I don't drafting I don't, off. Of I think
0: other. that was a one-time permit that sure. a bunch of countries gave in the EU. Yeah.
1: Right, right. Uh, but it this was technologically possible. Apparently it worked, yeah. Right. So if in America I start to allow trucks with automated driving systems, as the trucking company competing against other trucking companies, Mm -hmm. what if I go out and I hire a fleet of trucks that's running the interstate so consistently your trucks that are not part of my fleet running nose to nose can't get in?
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Right. There needs to be a law against that if such a thing were to happen. And it may not be as specific as that. I'd want it to be as general, but that if you are running your trucks in such a way that you are denying use to anybody else, or if you're running any sort of vehicle in such a way that you're denying uh, the use of the road to somebody else, that that needs to be regulated. Yeah, that's what antitrust is. Right.
0: I thought these are antitrust regulations to to, to break up.
1: Uh, This would be between businesses. Antitrust, I believe, would be between businesses to keep other businesses out in another sector. I don't Well, they're
0: blocking the other trucks, right? They're, they're making their competition unable to use the public road.
1: Right. I believe in a certain level of regulation, but that regulation is always to protect from the initiation of force, such as the, the blocking of the road. Um, that's not there to help. I, I would not agree with a regulation that says if somebody's trying to start their first trucking company, other trucks have to uh, let them go first, right? If you have 10 trucks, you have to let the truck with one go first because I want to help the guy with one truck get into the business. That's not a good regulation. Protecting him so he has the same access to the road as the guy with 10 trucks, good regulation stops the guy from 10 trucks from uh, using force to keep this guy out. Yeah. Bad regulation trying to help him with something I consider better. Yeah,
0: I think you're saying affirmative action is bad.
1: Which affirmative is, action which is, is a whole another podcast. That's an entirely different podcast. But any any law it, any law action. with a benefit, any law that seeks to benefit rather than uh, let you keep uh, your basic human rights, which I don't believe include access to shelter or food, as those are products that you have to make. I would argue is going to ha- uh, never complete the intent that it was made for, uh, and is negative.
0: Just so I don't let that drop. I, I believe affirmative action is a is a necessary evil, and the goal of affirmative action should be to eliminate the need for it. Like, it should be a self-disassembling thing once what it does is succeeds. Well, if Jay, Jay ran affirmative
1: right. action, I would not believe it was a necessary evil. I think it was a great thing. But Jay doesn't run affirmative action. That's not the way that exists. And in its current, we have to look at it as it really exists. And as it really exists, it's horrible. Yes, Jay's intent and Jay's version of affirmative action, wonderful, but that's that doesn't exist. Oh, okay. Well,
0: <laughs> that's a whole different podcast. <laughs> so let's have that conversation some other time. So um, the I had a brilliant idea, by the way, on the uh, European truck situation. So now you've got an army of trucks that are driving themselves, right? Right. You don't need gas stations as we know them today anymore. Because, oh, no. Because what's going to happen is that they're going to refuel while rolling. So you'll have gas stations with automated trucks that are automated refuelers. Those automated refuelers j- get j- go this way, get on the interstate and then parallel the trucks that need fuel and refuel the the trucks so you've got refuelers in flight. Those trucks never have to stop. Never stop. Never stop. That's going to be freaking amazing until
1: it explodes. <laughs> yeah. And eventually can I get a can I get a solar power uh or wind speed or Can I put solar powers on the road that allow me to uh, share power with the vehicles on them to where I don't even need fueling trucks? And now I just have this automated course of shipments that just rolls 24-7 all the time. Yeah, extremely efficient. Uh, But due to the amount of regulations, I don't think it's a guarantee that we're going to see driverless trucks uh, become the norm in our lifetime. Will it be allowed? Absolutely. Will corporations be able to ship things with a driverless truck? Uh, We'll see. I think... It's likely they'll have it. I don't think it's a guarantee, and I think the reason it's not a guarantee is the amount of regulations that affect driving.
0: Yeah, I I believe in the power of billionaires to sway our government to whatever regulation they need to make more money. So I I don't think government is going to stop business interests because we're so business-friendly. That's my take on that. So I think if
1: you had a method in which your your regulations, which are to protect uh, people, uh, were to sunset if they were not... Uh, reenacted Sorry. may make that more attainable.
0: Sorry, I lost you. Which
1: so our okay. biggest negative with these regulations is that they're inflexible. Which
0: regulation are we talking about?
1: All regulations. So from a government uh, level, okay, they're all inflexible. How many times have have you heard of a regulation being repealed lately? How many new regulations hit the books? How many came off?
0: Uh, yeah. I mean the the volume of active law, I think, continues to grow.
1: Balloon. Explode,
0: yeah, because lawyers like a virus. Lawyers like law.
1: Lawyers like law. Uh, (laughs) You hope. Uh, So we, but we have no mechanism in place. We have, you know. We have a. To,
0: you mean a check and balance on the size of the. Right.
1: We have the Constitution to hopefully limit the size of government so that way this power doesn't overtake everything, which is the effect that starting with a minor government has because as you attempt to achieve your intent, more and more things get in your way and you take those into your balloon of control. So we have the Constitution as a method to hopefully slow down that. Uh, but we have no method to start reducing regulation uh, or to say that innovation, which eventually makes some regulation moot, should be able to then make that regulation move. None of these regulations, I shouldn't say none, almost none of the regulations have expiration dates. Should we start having expiration dates on these things? If we have the minimum wage, can we say, we're going to set the minimum wage here, uh, and we're going to set it here for four years, and then it goes away, and we have to pass a new minimum wage, be it higher or lower or none at all, rather than saying from now on, you have to pay this certain level. Does that make it more effective? Does that make every regulation more effective? If I say, for instance, all the regulations that affect truck drivers, if they were to expire in five years uh, and it gets to that point and we have to pass it, is that far easier uh, if we were to have to repass it and then just let it expire than actually having to go back in and get rid of it? I think we're going to find out very quickly. I think we already have found out through history that passing these regulations that are essentially timeless until somebody puts in the effort to go back and stop them is not the way to do it.
0: Yeah. I think that's yeah do do we have checks and balances do we have a system of governance that can that you know that's effective and healthy I that's a whole series of conversations I can well yeah, and I don't want to go into any of those either <laughs> so you so universal basic income, I think what we're saying is this is something I think society is going to need over time we're going to need this social safety net system on our free market capitalism you're saying that that can't work even if that would be a good idea it, it it can't work because what happens is you're just flooding a baseline of money in, which drives up prices for all those things I think that's what you're saying did I recap that correctly?
1: Absolutely yeah. we can we can see people that through inheritance uh, through their Their families' money and power are given far more than $20,000, and we can see that there's a good portion of them that are not only not successful but that have required further assistance after that. There's no limit to the amount of assistance I can soak up if you let me soak it up. And if you start uh, to give a baseline of work, everybody that could uh, otherwise produce what they needed that now can live on that $20,000 goes and lives on it. Uh, unless they have some internal motivation and will to work, in which case they never needed it in the first place.
0: Well, see, I mean, I have days where I hate my job, and I would be like, oh, God, I would love somebody to pay me to do nothing. Oops. I just thumped the table, which I...
1: <laughs> I saw it on the uh, recording there. It's a giant <laughs> oh, yeah, line of the big death. <laughs> I'm afraid that my voice is a lot louder than yours, too, as my oh, audio no. is this booming as well. Um, but the... right. Uh, why- and I, yeah, I, dis- so I distracted can, myself I said something help, brilliant What there, did I
0: say? I said something brilliant and then I thumped the table and got distracted My brain That's probably why you thumped the way. table to just an exclamation it was, of the it was an emphasis on my brilliance of that thing We'd have to go back and review the take because I don't remember what I said you'll,
1: you'll remember here in a minute I'm sure uh, There is a certain amount of people that you will help and then there's a certain amount of people you will hurt if you do universal basic income and the question becomes who are you to make that decision who am I to make that decision who's the government to make that decision uh, well if we've elected the government through a democratic voting process uh, then it's just the majority making that decision so anything that helps the majority then becomes right anything that hurts a minority doesn't necessarily become wrong um, so
0: hell yeah utilitarianism that's my uh, so ubi would be John's correct Mill, baby
1: but you're going to hurt
0: one person can suffer like crazy if you get seven billion happy people that's the unfortunate side effect of my philosophy. <laughs>
1: Sure, and I, I think then that what you're going to see is that increases in minimum wage and a UBI would be successful on a grand scale if you're just measuring the overall impact. If you're not worried about the individual uh, that's hurt through it, yeah. I can't. Uh, I can't say I have any evidence to disagree with that. Anyway, I think it would be interesting then if we had a, a state or a uh, collection of people where we could give them UBI and see what happens.
0: Yeah. Well, and I want to go talk to the Democratic Socialists who exist in Omaha, by the way. And run this same set of ignorance past them And see what they say about that Because if, if all of the time spent Is attacking
1: Spoiler alert Millionaires Then if, I'm
0: like Well, that's not help, that, That's not getting me anywhere That's not teaching me anything
1: UBI uh, Something Some specific word you've said several times When we talk about UBI uh, Popped up Which is need mm-hmm. What do people need And if you talk to the democratic socialists As long as there's a need It's right
0: Oh, then I need a jet and a helicopter.
1: Right. And if you you have a need, it doesn't matter what your means are to accomplishing the end. As long as the end is meeting the need, they will agree with you. And I don't believe that need makes right in any way, nor excuses any means to meet the ends of that need. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, that'll be an interesting conversation
1: to have with them. Let's see how it goes. Let me know how that turns out.
0: Hey, cool. Hey, thanks, Dave. I appreciate you coming back on the podcast again.
1: Thanks for listening to me, Babylon.
0: (laughs) Babylon? Did we talk about Babylon?
1: (laughs) Babylon. Babylon. (laughs) Bye. Thanks, Jack.